You're listening to audio from the Portland Church. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to our ministry, please visit www.portlandchurch.org. Welcome, everyone, to the Portland International Church of Christ. Are you ready to do some singing? I know it's been a while. Warm up the vocal cords. Here we go. Lord, you love that Savior. Your precious blood has bathed us. And now you proceed to take us all around the world. Can you hear them? Hear them singing. The people, they're rejoicing with one voice. They are shouting, singing, halle, halle, hallelujah. Praises heard around the world. Come on. Into our creation. Each and every nation. Sending your salvation. All around the They're rejoicing with one voice. They are shouting, singing, Halle, Halle, Hallelujah. Praises heard around the world against demons fighting. The Holy Spirit guiding. And families were uniting all around the world. Can you hear them, hear them singing? The people, they're rejoicing with one voice. They are shouting, singing, halle, halle, hallelujah. Praises heard around the world. One more time, sing. Can you hear them, hear them singing? The people, they're rejoicing with one voice. They are shouting, singing, halle, halle. Hallelujah, praises heard around the world. Amen. Let's bow together. Dear God, thank you so much for such a beautiful morning. God, no matter what's going on in our lives, no matter how much craziness we have, um, there's always you. You are a constant and you are amazing. You are always looking out for us. You are always with us. You always are a comfort in any situation. And I thank you so much for that. We are never without you, ever. And that is the biggest blessing of all, with your love always there to, to help us through any time. Thank you for that gift. Thank you for the gift of us being able to come together today. And I pray you bless this time, be with all the speakers, all of the technical things um, that uh, everybody can be included who needs to be here, hear this message. Uh, just feel your presence and just help everything run smoothly. I pray all in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Korea. So good to see you and so good to hear your voice and to imagine that all of you are singing at home. I hope today we're finding everybody in the love of the Lord and hopeful and happy. Uh, hi to all the boys and girls. 
who might be out there uh, hanging around with their folks. This is our weekly communion service. And today's really special because for the first time uh, right now, if it's working, we're streaming live uh, on our website, portlandchurch.org. Uh, now, some of you may be watching on Facebook because I think we're also able to be uh, streaming live there simultaneously. Uh, but our hope is that for people that are not into social media, uh, or maybe just something easier to remember that folks can go to portlandchurch.org. This is where in our congregation, we're gonna be able to stay in better touch with one another. Uh, I hope you are staying in touch with your uh, brothers and sisters that are closest to you in your small groups, Bible talks, family groups, uh, uh, secret uh, clubs, uh, whatever you know your meeting is called. I just hope that uh, other than, uh, well, all the other things you need to do during the week, I hope at least you're connecting with your brothers and sisters, if not on a daily basis, at least once a week coming together, making sure everybody's okay and making sure if there's any needs, uh, they can be taken care of. Uh, but at any rate, uh, I hope that uh, a lot of you have been able to find portlandchurch.org and I hope that it's working. And if it is, We've got Jenna to thank for that. Jenna, thanks so much for all of your hard work. Uh, Jenna has been able uh, to help with so many technical things these last few weeks. And um, we all just need to say a prayer uh, for her and her modem. So uh, God bless you and thanks a lot, Jenna, for everything you're doing. Today, we're gonna get right into uh, something very, very special. We have a guest that is known by people in our fellowship uh, around the world. And certainly uh, we know him here in Portland. He's been a visitor, a guest, and come to help us out a few years ago. And of course, somebody that I know uh, for years and years, I'm probably the only person besides his wife and my wife who know him as Piper Doug. <laughs> and, uh, but today we have Douglas Jacoby, uh, Dr. Douglas Jacoby. Uh, the renowned uh, author, speaker, uh, skateboarder. Uh, Doug, say hi to everybody. Hello to everybody. <laughs> I've only skateboarded once in my life and I hit my head so hard, I never tried again. <laughs> it's, good to, it's good to see you. And right now you're still in Atlanta, uh, but Vicki and you are getting ready to move to Scotland. Tell us a little bit about that really quick before we get into, into other important things. Sure, we, uh, you know, half of our family members live in the UK. Uh, Vicki has spent most of the last 30 years in the US, so it's only fair. And in Scotland, we'll be actually very close to England, we'll be close to more than half of the family members. And uh, we're thinking it was a temporary move, we'll go for five years to get out of the big church setting where it's so easy to be anonymous. And you know, you know what it's like uh, to be in a big church, but to be in a small church, a church of around 40 people. I think that'll be really good for us for a number of years. We're not going to be on staff, uh, but we will help out. There is no staff in the Scottish churches, but we'll be able to help out and build relationships. And I think that'll be good for us spiritually too. Oh, well, I want to commend you. You have been preaching for years and years. You've helped plant churches. Uh, you have certainly helped to strengthen churches. You spend so much of your time really more on a volunteer basis than anything going to places in Africa and India and other other uh, Southeast Asia, just a lot of 
places to go and to strengthen the congregations and individuals with Bible lessons. And uh, very thankful for you, uh, you Doug. But uh, do you remember how we used to start all of our Piper shows? Yeah, are we going to talk about that? <laughs> <laughs> you were a great Piper. Uh, rather than Pipers, I, I want to say this at the beginning and end. Uh, Doug said that Doug was very generous and eager to come and be with us. He said, could I, could I just ask everybody to sign up for my newsletter? And Doug offers a lot more than that. But if you would uh, text uh, on your phone, those of you with smartphones, if you would text to 66 eight six six that's a lot of sixes doug yeah. six six eight i'm glad that eight is in there but uh six six eight six six if you would text disciple and is that capital d important is i don't think it matters okay just type disciple uh just type uh disciple to six six eight six six and you'll be able to receive doug's weekly newsletter and, uh, and from there, you'll also be able to get more information like his website, where there's uh, so much offered there, including a podcast. How often is your podcast uh, refreshed or, or new? What's going on there? Well, they add, they add three a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. That's a lot. That's good. You're staying busy, and it's, it's wonderful. So text uh, 66866, uh, type in the word disciple, hit send, and you'll be connected. Uh, with Dr. Doug, and uh, there's just a lot I'd like to talk to you about, but rather than that, I know you've come with a message prepared, so I'll, I'll, I'll do what we did in one, two, three, uh, not once upon a time, really and truly, boom, boom, Doug, <laughs> go ahead. All right, I'm hitting share screen, I'm hitting share again, oh, someone tell me if you can see my screen, can anybody hear me? This is what we did at practice. I am screen sharing. That's wonderful. Okay. Yeah, we, ah. can't see, we can't see your screen on the, the live stream. I'm sorry. I didn't know that you had a slideshow this morning. Yeah, the whole thing is slideshow. Um, can you see it now? No, it's a uh, no. It says that I'm sharing my screen with everybody. Oh, you are. You are on Zoom, but not on our live stream. Oh, so yeah, it's important. It'll be hard to follow the message if it's just the audio. Okay. You need a moment. Uh, yeah, I'll need a moment. Well, then let's let's talk a little. Do you think it's something you can do, Jenna? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Well, well, as long as we don't lose our connection, let's just talk a little bit, Douglas. While yeah, we can talk a bit because the beginning was introductory anyway. I know Steve and I were uh, talking the other day, and we were talking about the book of Jude, which uh, I had been looking at that day, and I thought, I want to preach from that. Uh, I've got an introduction which this doesn't matter so much with the pictures or the slideshow. Uh, I'll give a little update on my ministry, then we'll get into the meat in just a few minutes. Hopefully that'll give you enough time. So yeah, I give you greetings from Atlanta. You know, Atlanta, we're a federation of six churches, pretty good relationships, uh, North River. Uh, actually, where we are uh, in our uh, uh, town home or apartment here, it's walking distance from North River. Uh, my ministry um, is really about making people think about faith. And there are many ways to do that. 1980 plus, that's just simply the first time I met Steve. It was early in 1980. So we've known each other for a little while. I made a visit to Portland in the 90s and a couple more later. And then today, I, it's a kind of visit, I think. 
And I, like many of you, Zoom has become important for me. A couple of weeks ago, I preached for Space Coast, Florida. It's so cool how people can connect from around the world. We have people there from the Middle East and Europe and all over the states. Spoke to the Houston Campus Ministry uh, on Wednesday. This coming Sunday, I'll be speaking in Milwaukee. So I do a lot of travel. I, I'm supposed to be coming back from China right now, but obviously that was uh, canceled. I moved that to the end of the year. Uh, I lead tours, so China's really cool. Uh, I've already mentioned the plans to move to Scotland. Uh, just to help you on your geography, you can see England is not Scotland. Both are part of Britain. Britain includes Wales, England, Northern Ireland, Scotland. So that's what they call the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. So you can see Edinburgh there. That's where we'll be. So it's southern Scotland, near the border where my mother-in-law lives, uh, but across the border. We're very excited about being there. I lead tours, uh, usually one a year, sometimes more. In a few months, we'll be taking a group to Turkey. Next year, Israel, another one to Malta and Italy. Uh, and Turkey, of course, is the Bible land. Outside of Israel, to me, it's the, the hottest thing going. Uh, there are other countries that are biblical, but Turkey is amazing. Um, and you can see the third picture there. We'll begin a tour in Malta. We'll go to Sicily and uh, all the way to Rome as we trace the steps of Paul. Um, I do debates, usually one a year. Actually, I didn't do one last year. The year before was with a Muslim, with a sheikh. Uh, this year, actually, I'm doing two, and they're next weekend. Maybe you'd like to have part of that. It's a, there's a Baptist evangelist named uh, Thomas Ross, who I'll be debating, and uh, we'll be doing, uh, uh, we'll be discussing whether it's possible to be born again before baptism. That's the Saturday sessions, and Sunday, once saved, always saved. How are we doing there, Jenna? Are we getting uh, the picture up yet? Yes, we did. Oh, fantastic. Okay, now get going. We've already mentioned the podcast channel. You can uh, link at my website or go to Spotify or Google or Apple or wherever you get those things. I, I do produce a number each year. This year started with 40 uh, devotional lessons from the Sermon on the Mount, January 1st to February 10th, and I hope you'll use that material. I teach uh, in an MA program in a couple of institutions, Lincoln Christian. That begins in just a few weeks. Students, uh, that's distance teaching. I've been doing that for seven years. And I also write books. So the last three with my friend Paul Copen, who's a philosopher. We did a book on Genesis and a book on suffering came out a few weeks later. Uh, then last year we had the book Informed, Untangling Destructive Interpretations of Scripture. And then there's another one on the way on Ezekiel, but these are the, the latest. So that's kind of what I do. Steve's already mentioned uh, texting the word disciple, and that'll get you going and you'll have fun. Okay, so why Jude? I mean, admittedly, Jude is a very small book. It's only 25 verses, and the Bible is more than 30,000 verses. So you could minimize it. Of course, small people, short people don't like being minimized by tall people. And small books of the Bible can have an awful lot to offer, just like the big books. It's short, but it's powerful. Uh, commentator James Moffat described Jude as a fiery cross to rouse the churches. Another reason to look at it, it's written by one of Jesus' own family members. And we learned in 1 Corinthians 9 that his brothers traveled as missionaries. In fact, it's recorded a couple of Jude's sons, possibly grandsons, even in Rome, testified before the Roman emperor. But his, the family was very faithful. And so we, we don't have nothing by Jesus, but we have something by James and by Jude. And frankly, since all scripture is inspired and useful, uh, we, don't, uh, just, we don't discriminate, big books, small books. And yet, sadly, Jude is often ignored. In fact, it's for most people, apart from the, the beginning, where it talks about the faith once for all delivered, 
which means you can't have any newfangled uh, religions, or maybe the very end with its beautiful language, uh, the rest of it just ignored. You know, we're not going to do that. We're going to read a large part of Jude, and uh, let's just jump right in. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. I just turned my screen off by accident. I was going to say something about humility. Just think of the way he describes himself, describes himself as a servant of Jesus. He doesn't, uh, did it again. He doesn't mention that, uh, you know, he's Jesus's brother. And most people take that uh, as a reflection of his humility. And I think that's certainly right. And for James, he's the brother. James is the, the brother of Jesus who led the Jerusalem church. Uh, once that Peter was on, wasn't on the scene. To those who have been called, who are loved in God the Father, kept for Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Now, this little letter is very much like a sermon. Uh, there's an introduction, there's a problem, is framed, there are illustrations, there are practicals. It's a lot you can learn just looking at this. But it's not just a nice note. It's not tasteless, insipid. Jude has some very strong things to say, and yet he begins graciously very kindly, even though it's a serious situation. Can you feel that? I put some words in yellow, not in the original Greek is it in yellow, but on my PowerPoint it is, and there's a good reason for that. So this letter, why this letter? Because there's a problem, there's an issue. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, that was his agenda. He changed it. He says, I felt compelled to write and to urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's people. Why? For certain individuals whose combination was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you, they are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for morality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. There is a problem here. Now, false teachers are coming in. It's not so much that they're teaching newfangled doctrine, although maybe it's a little bit that way, but the impact of their teaching is going to be to really mess up um, the Christians spiritually. The faith once for all delivered is not so much a body of teachings, 112 doctrines or anything like that. It's more of a specific orientation to Jesus Christ. And this threat is clear and present. You see, he used the word immorality. So the focus is not so much the technical theology, where exactly did the false teachers go wrong, although that's not unimportant. False doctrine is always much more than a doctrinal error. Otherwise, we're all false teachers, right? But false prophets, false doctrines come and create situations where our hearts get very messed up. Um, he's writing to God's holy people, and that emphasis on holiness is something that is not emphasized in the false teachers. These guys claim, as we'll see later, they claim to be spirit-led, and yet they claim to be free to live as they want. Today, we have people like that. It's increasingly popular. A lot of people, it's common in the evangelical world now to ignore the Old Testament. The main preacher for one of the most famous megachurches in the world, and it's right here in Atlanta. Last year, he told people, it might be wise to uncouple your faith to detach the gospel from the Old Testament. Of course, a lot of people are saying that the Old Testament God's not worthy of worship. The new atheists, as they're called, um, often criticize the faith because of the Old Testament. Here you have a major influencer saying, ah, it's not really that important. 
because people view the Old Testament as being hard line and requiring obedience and uh, not just soft grace, but the truth is it's not that different to the New Testament. They both do. Today we hear among those who, who insist on obedience, oh, you're trying to be justified by works. And people uncomfortable, they say, judge not, and other mantras. So this is appropriate today. Now, I'm not going to read every word, but the next section of Jude, he turns to the Old Testament. And he's giving illustrations. We believe the recipients of the letter would have been familiar with this. And there are a number of prophets. Now, there's a very clear a parallel, a parallel between uh, the true and false prophets uh, in Jude's world and those in Second Peter. And you can take a look at that later on. But in the Old Testament times, the vast majority of prophets were false prophets. Like in Elijah's time, there were 101 true prophets, or actually 102, and 850 false prophets. Uh, the numbers aren't very encouraging. So but he's, but he's reminding the people, um, as he's going to be challenging um, these, these teachers, these false teachers, that those who made it out of Egypt weren't necessarily in the clear. Yes, they were delivered, but then they were destroyed. So he refers to the Israelites, talks about the Sodomites, the angels who had sex with women. He's talking about the giants, the Nephilim, uh, which were almost unanimously understood by Jews and Christians to be a race of giants. And these are all people who went wrong because they followed their impulses. They imagined they were following God, but they weren't. They defended what they're doing, but not fairly so. And as we'll see, the gospel has moral obligations. We got to live righteous lives. And this is something, sadly, increasingly in our evangelical world, the world of those who claim the name of Jesus, more and more are saying, don't judge me, I'll live how I want, or I determine what's right for me. In the next part, look what Jude does. He refers to some popular stories. Maybe you've never read The Ascension of Isaiah, but there are, there are a lot of things that Jews wrote. Of course, only some of them are in the Bible, but there are others that were very familiar stories. Uh, for example, the dispute between uh, Moses, uh, not Moses, between Satan and, and the angel, the archangel Michael. It says, on the strength of their dreams, these people pollute their own bodies, reject authority, heap abuse on celestial beings. Look at the last sentence there. They slander whatever they don't understand, and the very thing they do understand by instinct as irrational animals, uh, well... Look at that. He's describing these guys as irrational animals because, sadly, this kind of false teacher cannot be reasoned with. Some teachings we can discuss and minds can be changed. Then, he's, then he moves to the Old Testament, back to the Old Testament, particularly Cain, Balaam, Korah. Woe to them! They've taken the way of Cain. They've rushed into prophet into Balaam's era. They've been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. These are three people... Uh, who had serious heart problems. Cain, who just seems, I think, just seems to care about himself, doesn't seem to have empathy or real concern for others. Balaam looks good in the first three chapters of uh, Numbers 22-24, but his influence is destructive, and he pays a penalty for that. His impact is not good. Korah values no leadership, seems like, but his own. It reminds me of a friend of mine who says that he's totally against hierarchy unless it's underneath him, then he's okay with it. <laughs> he was kidding. But these, these people asserted their right to determine what's the path for them. They demanded their freedom, 
and they even liked being in the driver's seat, being in control, and yet they resented when others, other authorities had control. That's what binds uh, these three together. So Jude's going to give a number of examples, illustrations, so if they don't get it the first time, they can get it the second time, about these false teachers. These people are blemishes at your love feasts. He's referring to communion here. Eating with you without the slightest qualm, shepherds who feed only themselves. The, shepherd, the good shepherd doesn't do that. John 10, Ezekiel 34, that John 10 is based on. But what this means is these are not outsiders. These are not, this is not a team of false prophets coming to a village near you. These are people who are already there. In fact, they're inside the church. And they may even be leaders because the word shepherd is normally the word for leaders in Judaism and Christianity. Then Jude switches to some analogies from nature. So I think he's keeping people's attention here. They are clouds, trees, waves, and stars. Let's unpack this just a little bit. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind. Autumn trees without fruit and uprooted, twice dead. Their wild ways of the sea foaming up their shame. Wandering stars for whom blackest darkness has been reserved forever. All these illustrations. Okay, clouds driven by the wind, blown by the wind. You may remember a proverb that says, um, like a cloud that brings no rain, so is uh, someone who boasts of you know, what he'll do, what he'll give you. He gives you nothing. It's just air. And the clouds should be bringing rain, but they're blown over. So growth doesn't happen. The watering that's so important doesn't take place. Then you have the image of the uprooted tree. It's doubly dead. Uh, firstly, I mean, it, it looks dead. It's not going to survive in that position, but it's not bearing fruit to begin with. And we would expect a growth, something very positive. Wild waves of the sea foaming up their shame. I always think of the foam on top of a glass of beer. But I think the, the image is one that's a bit chaotic. It's frothy. The notion of, of people sinning and being very proud of it and loud and boisterous. And then it talks about wandering stars. Now, some versions may say comets because a star, the stars that we see are in our galaxy and they all kind of move in, they move together. They appear to move together. Comets obviously don't do that. And planets don't do that. Planet is actually from the Greek word for wander. It's a wandering star. It doesn't fit the thing. In fact, sometimes it even seems to go backwards. This is not an astronomy lesson. But these are four images that would have, uh, they would have related to very well back then. These people are blemishes, shepherds who feed themselves, Clouds, trees, waves, stars. And what ties it together? I believe it's the incorrect notion of freedom. These people are encouraging Christians to be free in a, in a way that's not godly. And presumably, if we looked at their lives, we would see this. The excessive focus on self and pleasure. One of the most, um, I think, intriguing writers of our time is a Yale fellow named Miroslav Wolf, and he critiques culture quite a bit. And Wolf says that culture, our, let's say our modern culture has become, and he uses this phrase, the managed pursuit of pleasure. Everyone wants pleasure. They want to minimize pain, to maximize pleasure. And that's what our technology and our schedules and our jobs and our schools, our curricula, our agenda, 
our, our entertainment. That's what everything is about. It's about keeping us uh, entertained so we don't get distracted. The managed pursuit of pleasure, if we accept that, we understand that, I think we'll see Jude applies even more than we may have realized to our own time. Their notion of freedom is wrong. We are free in Christ, and that's a really important thing, but we're free to serve. We're free from sin. We're not free to sin. Uh, these guys, they simply didn't get it. Next, Jude um, refers to some very popular literature, a book called First Enoch. I won't read these words, but you can find this on the web if you want. Uh, and then he, he speaks of their mo mode of operation. These people are grumblers, fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. These are the smooth operators of Romans 16. But again, look at their lives. This is what makes them so dangerous. They appeal to freedom, and we all want that. I feel this. I want to be free. Part of me doesn't want to have to come to a midweek service if I got something else interesting to do. Part of me doesn't want someone else giving me input. Let me decide. I want to determine what kinds of shows I watch and what kind of entertainment I'm into. This is the culture knocking on the door of our heart. And we need to recognize that. It's the managed pursuit of pleasure. And we stand on our rights. And our society is becoming more and more self-focused even as politics becomes more and more ugly and strident, we need to realize that we're actually in a battle right now. Well, then Jude points back to some oral tradition, some things that the apostles said that aren't so clear in the Bible. The apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ foretold, they said, the last times there'll be scoffers who follow their own ungodly desires. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what passage it was. I mean, Second Peter, you'll find that. Uh, but there were many things that Jesus said and the apostles said that were remembered for generations uh, that were actually never written down. And then he says, look at this. He, he tells them to remember, even as earlier he, he wanted to remind them. They've got to be, it's more, they need to be more than reminded. They need to be jolted because they're far too nonchalant. He says in verse 19, these are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. I think he's implying they think that their own feelings are somehow God's feelings, or these are God's directions, and they need to go with the flow. But of course, water flows downhill. It seeks its level. It seeks the path of least resistance. And you've probably known people, I have, who were sure God was leading them, but you could tell they're just leading themselves and calling it God. And this is what's going on here. They mock spiritual authority. They're wandering charismatics. That is, they value what they believe are their spiritual gifts, and they go from church to church. Um, it's not just in Jude's area uh, of the world. We see these kinds of people also in the churches of John. We read First and Second John and Third John, and later on, after the year 100 AD, in a document called the Didache, the early Christians talked about these kinds of people. So the letter of Jude is really a letter about freedom. And freedom is important, but it's got to be the right kind of freedom. Otherwise, we may think we're free, and we're no different to these clouds or these waves or these wandering stars. Now, in Jude's letter, the practicals come at the end. Now, I'm not saying that the beginning and the middle are practical. All doctrine is practical in that way. But you'll notice a lot of very specific instructions come now in the final verses. 
but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Uh, one of my debates next weekend is on the subject of eternal security, or once saved, always saved. Well, my opponent seems like a great guy, but I, I cannot agree with him on this. He believes that it's impossible to lose your salvation, that nothing can separate you from God's love. Well, we see right here, uh, we need to keep ourselves in God's love. Nothing external can separate us, but we need to keep ourselves in the right place. And we need to build ourselves up. We need to keep growing. There needs to be holiness. We need to be following God's spirit, not our spirit. And although we already have eternal life, 1 John 5, 3, right, 5 to 13, at the same time, it's also future. We're, we're waiting for Jesus to bring us to eternal life. And look what Jude urges. Build yourselves up. This is not talking about me and you individually. It has some application there, but it's plural. It's plural in the original language. Build yourselves up. In other words, as a congregation, as a community of God's people, we need to be focused on others, not on ourselves. So we need to be concerned for the upbuilding of the church. Salvation requires perseverance. That's what the people of Israel missed. And then he speaks how we should respond to these people and those who they have affected. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Now, mercy to those who doubt. Uh, I think this may apply to members of the congregation who are confused by this teaching, this uh, teaching of false freedom that you're the boss, you know, God is your co-pilot, don't let him be your pilot. Um, but there's also a good case to be made that he's actually speaking of the opponents themselves. I uh, read an article recently on this, theological article, but you could just as well render that word dispute. So when those have a different view and they're wrong, we, even though we correct them, there still needs to be grace and mercy. Now, others, we need to snatch from the fire. I think these are people who, you know, these are not necessarily the teachers. These are people affected by them who can uh, quickly be saved and must be. To others, show mercy mixed with fear. Not so much fear of the teaching or the false teachers. It's a fear of God. It's the very thing that's lacking in these teachers. And you see all the practicals he's giving the people here. And then the sermon, which is a sermon in letter form, if you think about it, it ends with this majestic doxology. Doxology is a word of praise. Doxa, that means, actually means glory in Greek. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. The only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and evermore. Amen. These are not throwaway lines. This is not just, okay, let's say, write some flowery words for the end of the letter. This ties into everything he's been saying. These false teachers are dangerous. These people who slipped in and are turning the grace of God into a license for immorality. Their lifestyles are dangerous. The life changes that we will make if we follow them can torpedo our very salvation. He wants 
the people to be without fault. This is sacrificial language. It's the word that's, it's a phrase that's used of the lamb without blemish who's being offered. It's the sacrifice. It's the righteousness. It's the holiness that's missing. And you'll see the same emphasis in 2 Peter chapters 2 and 3. But in the letter of Jude, this is a huge emphasis. Gospel freedom is not moral freedom. Gospel freedom doesn't mean you're free to do whatever you want and determine what's right and wrong. Gospel freedom is something very different from that. It's a freedom to serve. To be, it's a freedom from sin and the world. And then when we glorify Christ, we fortify ourselves against false teachers, remembering Christ is Lord. See, these guys want to have the influence. They enjoy the power, the authority. They're kind of like that teacher of diatrophies in 3 John. They love to be first. But if we'll keep our focus on Jesus Christ, his majesty, his lordship, then we won't be thrown off course by others who would lead us in a wrong way. Now, I admit there are many possible sermons that we could make from Jude. For me, I never preached on Jude until last year. That was the first time, and this is the second. But there's a lot of great stuff here. I've tried to make my message follow Jude's message, identifying the issue, illustrating, giving practicals, and then wrapping up. Of course, you saw the last word there, now and forevermore, amen. That final amen signifies agreement, assent, not just words, but this is serious. Let it be so. And I appreciate you in Portland and maybe others who are listening in taking the words of Jude seriously. And I would also ask for your prayers with uh, the double debate I've got next weekend and for our, our family as soon as possible for the door to open uh, so we could legally move back to the UK and to the city of Edinburgh. God bless you all. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Doug. Thank you for all that you shared. Um, it's very inspiring. Thank you for teaching us more about the book of Jude and how it applies to today's times. I'm really grateful. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about um, getting to the communion. Um, at first, I wanna introduce myself. Uh, my name is Patrice Brown. As some of you know, I'm a professor at George Fox University, which is a Christian college in Newburgh, Oregon. I teach interior design and I've been in Oregon now for four years, um, almost. And teaching is not a profession that I chose, but it chose me. Um, my parents were educators and I often said that as a child, I don't want to do this type of profession because um, I saw the sacrifice. I saw the, the long hours, the paperwork, the disruptive students um, and the lack of recognition. And I said, I'm gonna become an engineer. And so I'm gonna avoid all of this basically. Um, however, life happens. And I find that teaching has become one of the most sacrificial, rewarding and empowering transformational experiences um, that I now have a passion for. Um, so I can see why my parents chose this field. Um, but being an African-American woman that happens to be single in Oregon is not easy. Uh, in the past four years, I faced moments of isolation and loneliness, insecurity, 
persecution. And as a professor at a predominantly white college in a majority white town, this is a challenge. Um, but what I've learned the most is that standing out takes extreme perseverance and sacrifice and an extreme trust in God. Recently, uh, with the pandemic, it's placed all of us in uh, the teaching mode from the classroom to online instruction. So among all the other challenges that I was dealing with, this is another, another task on my plate, but God had to teach me how to do this under crisis. Um, I'm just gonna share a couple scriptures. In John 7, 14 through 18, it says about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. The Jews therefore marveled saying, how is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? So Jesus answered, my teaching is not mine, but is who who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking my own authority. The one who speaks his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks glory of him who sent me it's true, who sent him is true, and in him there's no falsehood. So before um, this event in the Bible, Jesus was preparing and he was tested and he was challenged often. He was isolated and abandoned. And this is where I could connect to my own life um, and where I see that his wisdom came from God. So this is where I had to get my wisdom in order to, to do what I do here. Um, God has shown me a lot about how to overcome my challenges and preparing me in the beginning to teach my courses. Um, and I look at John 8 also. In John 8, 2 through 11, it says, um, early in the morning, he came to the temple and all the people came to him. He sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placed her in the midst. They said to him, teacher, this woman who has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded him, commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? This is, this they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. So Jesus bowed down, he wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let whom who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more, he, be, he bent down and broke, wrote, on, wrote on the ground, but when they heard it, they went away one by one, being the older ones first, and then Jesus was left there with a the woman standing. Before him, Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no, no, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you, and go and go from now on, sin no more. So I relate a lot to this scripture because when I first came to Oregon, I was in a broken state. Um, I just came out of an engagement to a brother in Atlanta. We were supposed to go into the full-time ministry together, um, but for most of my 22 years as a disciple, I often believed the only way to have value in our fellowship of churches was to be in the ministry. Um, I desired at one point to be in a full-time woman's leader evangelist and um, and I often felt I was rejected and could not do this unless I was married to the brother in the church. Um, so after 2015, I believed that would happen, but when that engagement was over, um, and when I found out that it, it was hard for, 
it's hard for women to, at their 40s to be in ministry. Um, that was something that was really hurtful to me. But like the woman in the, uh, that was caught in adultery, um, who felt alone and felt like there's no place for me. Um, Jesus always teaches me that there's healing when I just turn to him and there's healing for my soul. And that's kind of what happened with me coming back to coming back to where I was in Oregon. It's like, I began to heal here. And I began to see that, that God has a place for me and has value for me. And I'm appreciative of that. Um, so I just want to share this um, bit of my life and just to encourage everyone to see value in how Jesus accepts you as you are and how your example is a sacrifice to commit to the purpose in your life. And uh, I just want to pray for the bread right now. Um, Father God, thank you for the opportunity that Jesus sacrificed for us and showed us examples that we don't have to feel alone in, in um, our struggles and we can go to him and see him as our savior and example to teach us. Um, I pray that um, we use the bread to, as an example, the brokenness um, for brokenness for ourselves so we can see his example in every way. In Jesus name, amen. Um, now we'll pray for the juice. Father God, thank you um, that your blood was shed as an example for us, God, to cover us, to see that your blood is healing, it is cleansing, it heals our souls, it heals our minds, heals our bodies, God. I pray that um, as we take the juice that we remember how you are working in our lives in order to get us to be transformed more like you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. so much. I am um, Douglas. It's been wonderful to have you. We're very grateful. Um, 
I, it was a, a, a good lesson, very good lesson, very grateful for that um, study of Jude. It could lead to, it could lead us into a lot more. We could go deeper and deeper and study out each one of those things, which will give us some, some more meat for this week, even to study out, which would be great. Uh, thank you. And uh, God's love is unconditional and amazing, and, um, and yet our response always matters. And that's what we need to remember, that he's unmoving, he's steadfast, he adores us, but we, he does want us to respond. Um, and that response makes a difference. So I love that. And, and Patrice, thank you so much for what you shared with us. I'm so grateful. I feel like I even know you better with some of the things that you shared, which was, which was really wonderful. And I'm grateful for the perseverance that you've had and that you expressed and inspired us to have, I think, in our own lives. So um, the healing that Jesus offers all of us is incredible. And I think we're all needing a dose of that even during this time. Time, an extra dose of healing um, and comforting that he's, um, he's providing for us. So I, um, um, I do want to remind everyone, too, to um, sign up for Doug's newsletter. Um, I actually am on it, and I, I read a lot of his stuff and get his stuff just sent to me, which is awesome. So um, you can text 66866 um, and text the word disciple. And then it just comes to you, which is wonderful. It, it's like a, it's like a gift. So um, so make sure you uh, sign up. But um, it, it's wonderful to be together and to have this time, this time of worship and um, and time just to fellowship, to con connect. I just love this that we have this. And on Wednesday night we're going to have our midweek. And um, last week we were with Gordon Ferguson. You remember we had a midweek and, and uh, we hadn't had midweeks in a while. So that was really fun, I think. And this week, um, Carlos Ramos, um, our own brother here, is going to share um, his story with us. And it's a powerful story. So I hope all of you tune in 7.30 Wednesday night. We'll be back. It'll be on the church website live stream so um so you know where to find us and when so we love you very much i would just like to add uh something before we go uh, again doug uh, thanks for this and you've been generous in a lot of ways doug has sent our uh discussion group that meets every thursday night one of his books we're going to be talking we've been talking about how we read the bible and Doug has sent a book, and we're gonna be talking at least about two chapters out of that with Doug. He's gonna join us in a couple of weeks. And that's uh, one of the wonderful things, Lord willing, that's one of the wonderful things about uh, Zoom and, and being able to stay in touch. And uh, so I'm looking forward to us having that, that discussion and seeing you. And I'm wanting to encourage everybody again uh, in, in the course of a week, if we can uh, at least have these two times that we gather together uh, on a Sunday to have communion at the same time, and then at a midweek to have some time together, uh, then I think that's one of the things that's gonna help us as we prepare for whatever comes next. And uh, whatever's next, I know that we're gonna uh, really enjoy when we can get to hug each other. We've had some uh, visits uh, through windows uh, with uh, loved ones. Yesterday, the Mullins came and uh, sat outside the window, and we had uh, the, the phone as our loudspeaker, and uh, Lisa and Parker read a book to each other. And so 
I know that a lot of you are doing things like that, and I want to encourage that. Uh, and I just want to keep encouraging us to come together. I also want to thank all the brothers and sisters for being diligent in uh, making your contributions to the work here. Uh, our, con our contribution has barely dipped in the time that we've been through this. And uh, I just want to thank everybody who is able to give. Uh, of course, you know, we've got ways here now that you can give online. Uh, there's a donate button on our website. Uh, but I also want to say uh, to all of our brothers and sisters, if there's anything that we can do to help you, uh, I know that we've been very blessed in a number of ways from the stories I hear in other places. There's not been that many of our number uh, who have uh, been in situations where there was problems getting food or, or things like that, but we don't want to be unaware. And if, you, if there are any struggles, if there are any problems, please uh, let us know. And uh, we want to take care of each other. The, the Lord blesses us, but very often the Lord blesses us uh, through our relationships and our ability to, to help and to give assistance uh, to each other. So uh, if you can give uh, to the uh, church here, please do. Uh, if you need something uh, more than usual from us, please, please, please uh, let us know. And uh, Douglas, uh, thanks, thanks a lot. Any, uh, any last words before we uh, close our service up? No, it's an honor. I'm so happy that we were talking the other day and you invited me to join you. I do, I do miss the hug part. I wish I could be there. Uh, it's different, but hey, we're getting used to this. <laughs> Yeah, but the distance. Yeah, I mean, we're doing pretty well considering we're almost three thousand miles apart. There you, there you go, and 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 just, you know, thanks for always picking up the phone. Uh, thanks for always Usually. being stimulating. Uh, just having, uh, if there's anyone that uh, follows that scripture, let's consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Uh, that certainly is you, and uh, you've been that way for years and 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 years. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to say 1980s, I'm going to, but, but uh, you have been consistent with that, and I just pray that God continues to give you good health. And we're going to see each other, Lord willing, here pretty soon, at least in this, uh, in this medium. Uh, but as you and Vicky prepare for this next adventure in your life, uh, our prayers, our prayers are with you. Um, see everybody, uh, Lord willing, for our midweek service. Korea, you got something else for us before we close? Yeah. Oh, there we go. Yay! Hi. Yes, I do. Let's do one last song together. Oh, I need your love in this shadow place. I can't get enough of your sunlight on my face when it's cold and dark or I'm far from home. You are in my heart and I never walk alone. And just like a tree planted by a stream, thirsty for a dream of your love. I can't face the day without some time to pray. I sing this song to say, I need your love. 
I'm a tiny child, but when I'm with you, I will not grow tired, cause with nothing you can do, your love makes me strong, though I'm small and weak, and the whole day long, you'll speak through me when I speak, and just like a tree planted by a serene, thirsty for a drink of your love. I can't face the day without some time to pray. I sing this song to say I need your love. You gave all for me, so I cursed your name on that bitter tree. Lord, you suffered for my shame. How can I thank you? Your love paid my way. All that I can do is live for you every day. And just like a tree planted by a stream, thirsty for a drink of your love, I can't face a day without some time to pray. I sing this song to say, I need your love. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Please stay safe and keep yourselves in the love of God. God bless you, Doug. God bless you, everybody. Thanks a lot. Carl, why don't you play something and let's go off the live stream thing soon. listening to audio from the Portland Church. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to our ministry, please visit www.portlandchurch.org.